Yeah. 
Take your Bible and open to uh, Mark chapter 8, and we've been there for the last couple of weeks. We're going to be there again uh, this Sunday. We've been in a series on the questions that God asked, and we've been specifically looking here in the New Year in the New Testament and looking at Mark 8 at the two questions that Jesus asked in this chapter. And they're really the questions that are at the heart of God's Word. One, he asked in verse 27, Who do people, who do those in the world say that I am? And, uh, and then he asked uh, the disciples in verse 29, and Peter, of course, gives that great answer. We'll look at that today. Who do you say that I am? August the 6th, to August the 7th, uh, from sunset to the next day of 2022, March the saddest day on uh, the Jewish calendar for 2022. It may be an unfamiliar day to you. Uh, it is the day that is called Kish Bahal. around once a year. I want you to get this picture. The year is 1313 B.C. The Israelites are in the desert. They have experienced that miraculous exodus. They are poised to enter into the promised land. But they first dispatch a uh, reconnaissance team to go out and perform a mission. They are to go out and sort of look at the promised land, size it up, and formulate perhaps a, some prudent battle strategy for conquering the land promised by God. The spies return on the eighth day of Ad and reported on the ninth of Ad, what they call Kish Ba'ad. And their report came back, as you know it, it is uncomfortable. The land is full of giants. The night of the night of God, the people cried. They insisted in their crying that they had rather go back to Egypt. They had rather uh, go back to be under the heel of Pharaoh 
than be swaggered behind potato mounds. Now, according to uh, the Talmud and the other Jewish historical records, and according to the Bible, as we read it, we know that God is greatly displeased by this public demonstration of distrust of his power and of his faithfulness. Uh, he had told them that their land was theirs, that they could conquer it, that this was their promised land. But they never uh, believed God and his word. And because of that, he says, all right, you're going to wander in the wilderness uh, for 40 years. And that generation died out in the desert. Only their children, their descendants, uh, got to go into the promised land because of, of their unfaithfulness. They didn't get to go. Read all about that. Uh, if you want to read the chapter later on, Numbers 14 is really the chapter of this group of people, this the Israelites crying over this, this heartening news of the giants. You remember Caleb and Joshua, the only two that, that believed they could do it, and the people were so upset with them, they wanted to stumble uh, the Midrash, which is the biblical writings, uh, has this to say about that night of unfaithfulness. The guy had asked the priest, why are you crying? And, of course, they gave the answer, the giants, this, that, and the other. And God responded, according to uh, the Midrash, uh, from this point further, I will make this a day of mourning for you. Tish will become a day of mourning. Now, fast forward through history. Let me tell you a little bit about that day. It was on that day in 586 B.C. that Nebuchadnezzar, the warrior king of Babylon, marched in and sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. He was also on that day in 70 A.D. that the Roman uh, emperor Titus broke through the walls of Jerusalem and set fire to the temple, just as Jesus had that the temple would be destroyed and he himself who is the temple of God uh, would be destroyed. But it would be by grace, by God. We're still awaiting uh, that the, the temple and the prophetic prophecy that Jesus had delivered from Babylon. But interesting about what Jesus said would come to pass about that temple in his day, it fell on that very day of Tishbaha. You go further, a little bit further on, in 1290, on that day in England, the Jews were expelled. That is called the Great Expulsion, a day of mourning. It was on that day in 1306 in France that, guess what? The Jews again found themselves being expelled from France. It was on that day in 1492, the same year that Columbus settled the ocean blue, that the Jews were expelled from Spain. And finally, it was on that day in 1941 that uh, Henry Hamilton received an order from the Nazi party to start the final solution, what we refer to today as the Holocaust. I tell you that story to drive home the point to you this morning that some decisions have far-reaching consequences. And little did the people in 1313 B.C., those Israelites who were unfaithful, wailing out, crying to God, wishing something different, had no idea the future ramifications that would come to play because of one act of disobedience and unfaithfulness. Decisions today could have eternal impacts. If you were to ask any of the Orthodox Jews today, they would tell you about that day. They would also tell you that on that day that they would fast for 25 hours. They would sit by candlelight and they would read the lamentations that were written by Jeremiah, and they would wail, and they would cry, and they would mourn. 
Jewish people. They made the wrong choice. But yet today, rather than learn from the mistakes that God gives us in the Bible, we continue to make the same wrong decisions, to have the same sort of questions that they had about God, and we trust Him. Who is He? And so when we come to these two questions that Jesus asked of the disciples, that very public and sort of kind of general question, well, who do people say that I am? And then, who do you say that I am? We're really thinking along the same things that God asked the Israelites way back when. I want you to look up at verses 34 through verse uh, 38 with me this morning. Now, we're dealing with the questions there in uh, verse 27 and verse 29. And uh, it's from the answer that Peter gives that Jesus begins to teach, we talked about this last week, about his passion. He said the Lord's passion. Uh, he, he, he teaches them about how he must suffer, uh, how he be rejected, and
so Jesus kind of touched him, and that's the question this morning. I said to you, uh, last week I think it was, that Mark 8 was really the turning point of the, the gospel of Mark. It's, it's really the turning point of the gospel. It's the watershed moment. Uh, it's that point where Jesus begins to be very direct in his relationship with his disciples, and he, he is seeking the answer. Who do you say that I am? And it's Peter who says, you're the Christ. The word that he used there for Christ is a Greek word that means Messiah or anointed one. It's the Old Testament picture of the Lord's anointed. It's the idea of what you have when you think about David being anointed. God had anointed his kings. God had anointed his prophets. They were his representatives. They were his spokesmen. But uh, always to this point, it had been sort of a forward-looking picture, a forward-looking pinfall to it. Uh, it was the idea that one day, though, God's true deliverer, that's what the word Messiah means, would come. God's true anointed would come. And so when Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Peter is declaring, and it's a very remarkable declaration, you are that and uh, Peter said, Jesus, you're the one concerning you the prophets have been speaking of. You're the one. You're the focus of all the ages. You're him. Now, it's clear when you read through the gospel here that Peter doesn't fully understand what he's, what he's saying. I mean, because it's not too far after that that, that Jesus has to rebuke Peter. You remember uh, when Jesus begins to talk about suffering and dying, uh, Peter's like, no, 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 no. Go yet. You can't say that. You can't do this. And, uh, and Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. So we understand that Peter's making a great confession. He didn't fully understand it, but the confession that he's making is rather remarkable. Now you might you might say, Well, that's sort of surprising to say that. After all, you kind of would think, Well, Peter's just simply towing the party line. I mean, you know, that's what the New Testament book. Because all of that telling us who Jesus was. And, and the people who wrote the New Testament had an agenda. They wanted to get across a certain message. And, and so the questions posed and the answers given. And uh, so Peter's just giving the party line. But I want you to think about it for just a moment. This really isn't the party line. You see, for, for Peter, he was he was a typical Jewish boy. He's a typical young Jewish uh, man who was a Jewish fisherman. And I can just imagine how he had grown up in that Jewish home. And in the evening hours, how his father and how his mother would uh, spend their time talking to him, perhaps lying on the bed with him at night. And, and I could hear his mom or dad say, Now, Peter, before you go to sleep tonight, let's go over it one more time. Oh, hear, oh, hear, Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You see, from the very of God and God alone. And that was built into the very core of Peter's conviction in his heart, in his life, even in his devotion to Jesus himself. There is one God. And now, listen, Peter steps out of that upbringing, steps out of that uh, sort of thinking, and he makes this staggering statement. It's an unlikely statement. It's a statement that I think perhaps maybe even caught some of the other disciples, disciples by surprise. It's exceptional. And the question for us is, how did, how did he get there? How did Peter make that leap there? Well, Jesus tells us we read it here in Matthew 6, verse 16. You didn't come here, Peter, on your own. You didn't get here on your own. This, this isn't just something you figure out here. Peter, it has been given to you by way of the Father, by way of the Spirit. And so, what Jesus is getting ready to teach you, the main part of the 
puts this into our spiritual DNA. We can't get it. And what we read this morning, verses 34 through verse 38, is, is, is what I call the Christian DNA truly lived out. And a lot of Christians never get that written in their DNA because, you see, it is, it is supernatural in its work. It's supernatural in its reception. And our prayer has to be,
take what what? You take a cross. That cross was a was a was a picture of suffering. And it was no just common picture. It was the harshest picture that these disciples could could imagine. I said this I think last week. We miss it here when we talk about the cross. The cross is the, the cross has become beautiful again. I mean perhaps you've got a cross around your neck and if you've got a on the wall, that would have never been a thing in that day. No one would wear a cross around their neck. No one would put a cross up in their hand. No, no one would have painted a picture and carried a cross in their pocket as a reminder of the, of the beautiful love of God. It, the cross was something totally different. I, you know, I don't know. I was trying to come up with something that, that Decisions is 
serious commitment to discipleship. Discipleship is a matter of being lost. It's a question of whether uh, we have wasted our lives or wasted our lives. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Someone said this, the Christian life is a paradox. The word paradox means oddity or the opposite of the way that we typically think. That's the Christian life. Jesus says, listen, to really find your life, you must lose it. And if you find your life, well, you might be lost it. The word life is a word psyche. It refers to the soul. It is that part of you that makes up your personality, that makes up your dreams, your hopes, and your goals. Jesus says, if you really want to find the life that is about it, Take up your cross, follow me, lose yourself in me, and in losing yourself in me, you will find me. Matthew gives us a, a fuller statement again what Jesus says here in, in Mark as well. He says, What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and yet forfeits their soul? He says, What is the exchange rate for someone? Is there any reward for the person who is a true disciple? Is it worth it? Is what the Lord is asking. And here's what he says. Yes, there is a reward. Yes, it's worth it. Because they become more like Jesus, and one day they will share his glory. He says, Satan promises you glory, but in the end you receive suffering. However, God promises you suffering, but in the end that suffering is transformed into his glory. If we acknowledge Christ and live for Him, He will one day acknowledge us and share His glory with us. Several years ago, I hadn't been here very long, and I kind of got to join some of the, 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 the guys here in the church. We, we got to play in fantasy baseball. Some of you guys remember that? And we had to come up with a nickname. Superstitious. I came up with a nickname, the Voodoo Man, because uh, of superstition. And so I, I was known for a long time as the Voodoo Man. Well, I kind of like watching football sometimes. I like it when they picture those professional spitballs. Y'all remember that here? Uh, anyway, he said, You're not cheating, you're not trying to baseball. So I didn't cheat. Always offering the guys bad trades. Never once in my life did a really bad trade to go through. One that highly favored my team and wasn't so good for the league. But I went through them for some of the guys 
they had changed my name to Voodoo Man to Voodoo Man. And they were like, don't let the preacher put a trade through, he'll be Voodoo Man. And then, after a while, the time all those trades started getting voted down, they wouldn't let the Voodoo anybody anymore. I tell you that to say this morning, people, don't let Satan defeat you. Don't let Satan treat you out of your good behavior. And that's to take up the cross and follow Jesus. To trust Him. To die to self. To lose yourself in Christ. The proposition is there. The same one that gave the disciples. The same one He asked to do. Who do you say that I am? Did Jesus want you to say, Yes, you're Lord. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You're the only one. But listen, when you give the answer, it comes with a cost. It comes with a commitment. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's a day after day after day commitment to Christ. But it's one that satisfies us. And it's one that meets the deepest needs in every heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, our prayer is that the answer to question is the full awareness of the splendor of God. Like we have mentioned, you are more the Son of the living God. And we are proclaiming and making you Lord. And Lord, we understand that we may not be able to fully understand that statement this morning. Much like Peter. Peter didn't know everything. Peter still had a lot to figure out. Peter still had to figure out how to stand by his faith. How about to give in the temptation? And, and Peter had to learn to, to be humbled and, and, and Lord, to, to be brought back and away from the world that you want to be with. And Lord, if you could, if you want to, you may want to do. May we cover from the cross. And Lord, today, that's what we want to do in our prayer time. Commit to you that you are our so take us where we are lacking, and Lord, draw us to where we follow, follow you in living out that answer to the question. And Lord, there was a day in which Peter answered that question with an affirmative. History tells us that, that they came to Peter and they said, You know, you must deny Christ. And he said, No, Lord, I would not. And he did not. And he went to the cross, literally to the cross, to answer the question. But Lord, so We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you, and we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.